So, gentlemen, are you living your holy hour? Yes, good. (laughs) Yes, please continue, of course, to practice the heart of our life as a disciple of Christ, as a seminarian, and God willing, as as a future priest. Um, You know, our motto for the seminary, Ascendete in Montem, is a line from the prophet Haggai, chapter 1, verse 8. You may have noticed that this past Sunday, it was the first reading of the Office of Readings, which included all of that first chapter of the prophet Haggai and the beginning of the second chapter. It has a certain context that I want to talk about today. The context or the theme of today's Rector's Conference is poverty. Now, what does Ascendite and Montem have to do with poverty? Well, the prophet Haggai prophesied in the time of the return from exile. He says, this then is the word of the Lord that came through Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you to dwell in your own paneled houses while this house, the temple, lies in ruins? Because my house lies in ruins while each of you hurries to his own house. Haggai arrives on the scene seeing the people of Israel return from exile and their first concern is not for the temple, is not for the Lord, but for their own comfort. They built their own houses, paneled houses, and yet left the temple of the Lord in ruins. So Haggai says in verse 8, go up the mountain, or go up the countryside, sometimes it's translated, ascendete and montem, Gather wood and bring it down to the site of the temple to rebuild it. Shift your focus, in other words, from yourselves, your own material possession, your own comfort, and keep your eyes on God, the Lord. If you will, make him comfortable first before you worry about your own possessions. True worship can only be given when we dispossess ourselves and allow God to possess us. This, I think, is part of what motivates Haggai's prophecy. Our concern should not be the worship of possessions, but the worship of the Lord. That's why poverty is essential to those who follow the Lord for disciples. Poverty has everything to do with priesthood as well, especially diocesan priesthood. Fundamentally, the reason why poverty is so important, and we have to live it certainly in a a unique way, not as the religious do, not as a married man would do or a single man would do. We have to live it according to our vocation. But it's important because of Christ because of his poverty. His poverty is revealed to us in the very act of the incarnation. You see, in the Old Testament, God reveals himself as a God for the poor. In the New Testament, with the coming of the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, he not only reveals himself to be for the poor, 
but he reveals himself as being poor. This is what Father Koreski, Cistercian, says. He says, the incarnation itself is God's radical act of embracing poverty. The Son of Man was rich, and he became poor for us, writes St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. During his life, the Lord Jesus himself, the one whom we follow, lived different forms of poverty, such as at his birth, his fleeing to Egypt, living living on, on really total donations during his public ministry. We're told that even a group of women supplied him out of their their own possessions. Ultimately, his suffering on the cross speaks loudly of God's poverty for our sake. This is why St. Thomas Aquinas says that it was fitting for Christ to lead a life of poverty in the world. And he says... Thomas says that it was fitting for Christ to live poverty for four reasons. One, he says, because it was in keeping with his duty of preaching. And that was his purpose, to come into the world to preach. For a preacher to be able to give his time to preaching, he must be free from cares of worldly matters, Thomas says. Think of that. Think of, for deacons, you already have this ministry of preaching. For a priest... It's part and parcel of what it means for our own priestly ministry, preaching the word. Poverty is a direct aid for that ministry. Secondly, Thomas says, because he took upon himself death to give us spiritual life. So he bears bodily poverty to enrich us spiritually. What does that mean for us? Well, we want to enrich those we serve spiritually. Our poverty serves that end. Thirdly, Thomas says that if Christ were rich, his preaching might be thought of as greed. Maybe he was benefiting from his preaching. So we have to make sure that our lives, especially as priests, not be seen as something that will gain us comfort and riches. By living detachment, we are a living sign that the gospel is free and helps make everyone free. And fourthly, Thomas says, the more lowly he would seem because of his poverty, the greater might the power of his Godhead be shown to be. So the radical juxtaposition, if you will, his incredible poverty tells us the incredible power of our God. Mother Teresa used to say that the greatest power in the universe is the humility of God. These are all, again, reasons for us as well, because Christ is the one that we follow. Christ is not only the one that we follow in some external fashion, it is that, but we are to live his life, as St. Paul says. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me as a disciple as a future priest, to live the life of Christ means to live poverty. But what does that mean for a diocesan priest? Well, 
No one's asking me about how I would readjust the rite of ordination, and no one will ever ask me, I'm sure. But I would probably make one adjustment to the rite of ordination. So, and you know what it would be? God, not optional celibacy. <laughs> no. So, sorry, Brian. No kidding. No. Sorry. I apologize, Brian. <laughs> but if anyone was to ask me, what would you change? I said, I would add a question. Because it's not one of the promises that a, a deacon or priest makes about detachment or poverty. About obedience, yes. About celibacy, yes. Um, but it's, it's not there explicitly. Although it is, uh, I think, there in the homily that the bishop can give, a reference to it. So there's not a public promise of poverty. However, however, I would say this that if you read the directory put out by the Congregation for Clergy on the life and ministry of priests, and the directory is sort of like the handbook for priests, it says something very powerfully. It says, even though the priest does not make a public promise of poverty, it is incumbent upon him to lead a simple life and attain from whatever may, and I'm sorry, abstain For whatever may smack of worldliness, I love that phrase, whatever may smack of worldliness, thereby embracing voluntary poverty in order to follow Christ more closely. So to abstain from whatever smacks of worldliness. I looked it up in Italian and it says, Poveri sapore di vanita. You know, that could be, that could have a, a taste of vanity, right? To avoid that, anything. And even the Code of Canon Law, I don't know if Monsignor King is here, but um, I wanted to at least quote Canon Law once. Uh, It says, clerics are to follow a simple way of life and avoid anything which smacks of worldliness. I'd love to see who translated that into uh, English. They love the word smacks, smacks of worldliness. But you see, even though, again, we don't make that promise, it's still an expectation that the church has for her priests, for her, her, her clerics. And it is something that's intimately related, as I was saying in the celibacy seminar to the guys that I had this past week. You know, poverty is intimately related with the other evangelical councils of obedience and of celibate chastity. That they're to be seen kind of interwoven. As one lives well, one of them, it, it's easier then to live the other two. The detachment, for instance, from material goods exercises the detachment of one's will. One is more strong, if you will, or stronger in exercising this detachment of one's will, so it's easier to live obedience. And therefore, if one's living poverty well, it then becomes, because of virtue, easier to be detached from one's immediate kind of sensual appetites and therefore live chastity in a better way. So you see, they're, they're all interconnected. They're all, all three are interconnected. For a diocesan priest, living poverty is particularly a way of service and charity to the very people entrusted 
to our care. The portion of the portion of, of the people of God, as the portion of the diocese that the bishop gives you for your, your ministry, right? This is the portion of the people of God that have to, you have to care for to be their shepherd. It's really poverty is a way to serve them. This is something that comes again from the directory of the, for the ministry and life of priests. In all truth, it will be difficult for a priest to become a true servant and minister of his brothers if he is concerned about his own comforts and well-being. Going back to the prophet Haggai, what was the problem? The people were so concerned about their own houses that they weren't concerned about the house of the Lord. So too, if a, a, a cleric is so concerned about his own house, his own possessions, his own comfort, it then is much more difficult for him to be concerned about the needs of of the temple, the church, the portion of the people of God he's to lead as shepherd. Assuming a fatherly responsibility, Father Jacques Philippe says, I become poor in my time and in my personal projects. I must consent to this with love. This poverty, Father Philippe says, is a grace for it invites me to enter into the mystery of love. So as I said, it's a way of service and charity toward the people of God entrusted to your care. As a diocesan priest, poverty is also a way to live divine providence and to affirm the giftedness of creation, of everything. Everything is a gift. Therefore, really, nothing good is mine. You know, nothing good is really mine. I'm just a steward of what I have and what I take care of. You know, when I, when I was a seminarian, I, I worked for a summer with the Missionary Charity Sisters in New York, and I remember, I remember one of the young men of the neighborhood, who again was coming from a very poor part of, of the Bronx, um, and he, he told me once, he says, I'm so shocked by how poor the Missionary Charity Sisters are. And he was a, a teenage, young teenage man, and, but he just couldn't believe it. He says, how could they give up so much? How could they live so poorly? He was coming from his own you know, poor neighborhood himself. But he was, he was really shocked by that. But it, it, it made him think how much they are dedicated to me and to my family and to my neighborhood because of their selfless poverty. Finally, I would say that poverty for Dazos and priests can be particularly lived in, his, in, the, in, in a particular form in the way that he lives a, a sober life. Now, that doesn't mean that we despise good things, food and drink and material possessions. But we shouldn't be possessed by them or attached overly to them. Our attachments to consumer goods, again, whether it's food, drink, material possessions, needs to be broken, that attachment. And we need to be detached from our dependency on having certain goods in order to be comfortable so that we don't fall into the idolization of what our Lord calls mammon, right? the idol of, of money. Sobriety indicates a capacity to moderate one's desires and to use things wisely 
without becoming enslaved by them. So there, especially for a diocesan priest, you, you will have a lot of things available to you. And even a nice, comfortable lifestyle at times, too, with food, drink, housing. Living a sobriety of life is a way to live poverty. Now, I want to suggest maybe some particulars on how to live this well. First thing that I want to suggest is that starting now as a seminarian, start thinking about and examining your conscience and dealing especially in in spiritual direction, but also in formation advising, how well am I living poverty? Detachment. And I would suggest three questions that are kind of like an examination of conscience for you. And to, to be kind of going back to these three questions every once in a while, particularly on retreat. Because they all deal with, with poverty. The first question is, do I consider my possessions to be mine? Well, what's that relationship with the things that I have? Or do I see them as gifts? Do I see them as do I see myself as steward? As something that I use, but is not an end in and of themselves? How or am I possessed by my possessions? They're mine. You know, it's like Gullum, right? Precious. Right? It's always a good question to ask, particularly when it comes to certain things that you might feel a stronger attachment to. Has this become my precious? Has this become my precious? Good question to ask every once in a while. The second is, do I create false needs for myself? In a consumeristic society, it's very easy to create a need. Right? A want suddenly becomes a need. We see something that we can buy, I need that. Do you need it? Or do you want it? Those are two different questions. Is it something really superfluous, or is it something, yes, that you do need? One practical point about this is, you know, Amazon is very easy to order things, right? And that's where sometimes wants become needs real darn quickly, right? Here's a little trick, if you haven't learned this already. I just suggest this. It's just a suggestion. If you see something that you think you should get, that you need, put it in the cart and buy it tomorrow. Put it on the list, make a list, and look at it later. Sometimes just a little bit of time to think about it and consider it, and maybe you'll go back the next day and say, I'm going to take it out of the car. I really don't need that. I just wanted it. Or you put it on a list, because maybe, maybe later, maybe I could use that, whatever it is, later, but not right now. It helps us not to create false needs for ourselves. That's just one example. And finally, the third question is, do I complain when I lack some material possession? Oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. Why doesn't somebody give me this? Why don't I buy that? And I'm complaining that I don't have something. A little bit of pain is helpful, right? We should, I think, as diocesan priests, not be too comfortable in our lifestyle. And sometimes we need to create that uncomfortableness by refusing to, to, to kind of to do without things that 
yeah, you know, it would be okay to have, but it's good to kind of live a little more soberly. So if I find myself complaining about, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that, really talk to your spiritual director. Here, talk to your formation advisor. Why am I always complaining like this? And those are three good questions, as I said, that that make up a, a good examination of conscience. Now, when it comes to material possessions, especially as a diocesan priest, be aware of the fact that, yes, you will have what you need, right? And often what you need will be supplied for you. In all aspects of your life, your living quarters, even for some dioceses, even the means of transportation, vacations. But even in all of this, the directory uh, for the life and ministry of priests says that in all aspects of your life, living quarters, means of transportation, vacations, the priest is to eliminate any kind of affectation and luxury. So you will have a room. You will even have possibly the furniture given to you. Well, does that mean switching everything out in order to have something even better? Or could we not be satisfied with what the parish supplies? For vacation, maybe I do have enough money to take two weeks vacation in, I don't know, Aruba somewhere. I don't know. But maybe not. Maybe I should take just one week, give a little bit of the money away, and spend the time down at the Jersey Shore. (laughs) Notice I said down the shore. Okay, that's the Pennsylvania coming out of me. So those kinds of things are always good to look. Make sure that even though I do have these things, that they, they don't look like I'm living a life of luxury, of luxury. We also have to be very careful in today's society um, to make sure that we're not lusting after the latest thing. It's the lust for the latest. I admire those people who stand in line all night long or days on end to get the next iPhone. I mean, that's incredible. We shouldn't be among them. However, we do need our smartphones and iPhones and cell phones, etc., etc. But do we need the latest right away? Ask yourself that question. Is it best for people to know that father's always got the latest car, the latest model? Could we get it? Yes. Could you pay for the latest iPhone? Yes. But should we? Establish, I think, also one day a year, and I I always like to do this on the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi, one day a year in which you go through your things, clothing, right? Even some of your technology, books. And think to yourself, what can I give away? Well, maybe what I need to throw away, right? I'm just hanging on to this and it's broken. How can I simplify my life? Doing that at least once a year is a great exercise of detachment, poverty, and just simply getting rid of clutter. It's a great practical way as a diocesan priest to do that because as you go from one assignment to another, Sometimes things just kind of latch on, right? And suddenly, the third or fourth assignment, you don't have enough space in your room for things, and you're renting a storage um, uh, bin, right? So every once in a while, and I would really uh, encourage it once a year to have a poverty day, poverty day. 
And finally, finally, I'd like to suggest that as a diocesan priest, we need to be men for the poor. Not only living poverty, but men for the poor. Give to charity. Give to your parish. And I know some priests who say, well, you know, I'm, I give so much to my, I don't need to give money. Okay, we're fine. Um, but you should be giving to charity in some way. And why not to your parish? Why not to the people that you serve? We ask our parishioners to give on a regular basis. Shouldn't we as their pastor, assistant pastor? It may not be a lot, okay, but it's something. It's something. And it's a good way to live that poverty that we're asking others to live too. And then find in your life those charitable organizations that you'd like to support. Mount St. Mary's Seminary. Um, or, or whatever, you know? Finding those avenues to give to the poor. There might be a local soup kitchen. There also could be certain people in the parish that in a quiet way you help financially. A little bit here, a little bit there, because you know their needs. And their father is, is quietly helping them with his own material possessions. How beautiful a way that is to be a father to your own people. All right. I'd like to end with uh, a quote from Pope St. John XXIII, who wrote an encyclical letter on the patron for priests, St. John Vianney. And he has a whole section on how St. John Vianney lived poverty. He says this. St. John Vianney was rich in his generosity toward others, but the poorest of men in dealing with himself. He passed a life that was almost completely detached from the changeable, perishable goods of this world, and his spirit was free and unencumbered by impediments of this kind, so that he could always lie open to those who suffered from any kind of misery, and they flocked from everywhere to seek his consolation. My secret, he said, is easy to learn. It can be summed up in these few words. Give everything away and keep nothing for yourself. St. John Vianney, prayer for us.